It's extra drama for book number 18, Head Over Heels, starring Regina Morrow and Bruce Patman as lovers at Miller's Point. Dun dun dun. Hi, I'm Marissa Flaxbart, your host, and I'm here again with CJ Hoke. Thanks for joining me, CJ. Thanks for having me. Um, I wonder if the listeners think that I'm, like, drunk by the time we get to this episode. Because I'm always <laughs> so, like, punch drunk that I'm, I have just, like, a much different energy coming into the bonus episodes. But I like it. And listeners, I hope you like it, too. And CJ, I hope you like it. Because I mean, that's what I'm bringing. I think it's pretty great. So I'm here for it. Let's, let's do this. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love a good compliment. <laughs> Um, so we're talking about Head Over Heels, and in the main episode, you mentioned that you had some predictions for what might happen with uh, Bruce and Regina. Oh, I, well, I'm very worried. everybody. Wor- I'm very worried about Bruce and Regina because the long distance thing, I mean, are they still together at the end? I mean, he's kind of like, let her go, but like, they haven't broken up. They're just like... Or, yeah. well, they did break up, but then this apology makes it seem like they're back together. I don't know. Like, yeah, definitely, like, in both of their minds, yeah. they are, like, they've, they've done what they can to be together. Yeah. But, like, it's so crazy to think that she's on this international flight that has just taken off from California. Yeah. Like, she's going to be on the plane for, like, ten hours, and then... It's going to be, like, nighttime in California or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what hour of day it is when she gets on the plane. But she it's, like, late afternoon. I don't know. I didn't do all the math. Yeah, but. I haven't really tracked this. But clearly, like, clearly they're still madly in love. But going to separate corners of the earth, effectively. It seems crazy to think that she has to wait that long to, yeah. to like, tell him, like, I read your letter and, like, I still love you. And she's going to have to mail it because this is the 80s. Like, yeah. And then, like... Presumably, like, I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything that happens okay. in the future. I'm going to play this prediction game. Okay. She is going to return to California, presumably, if all goes well in Switzerland, with her hearing. Yeah. So it's like, does that make her, like, a totally different person? Yeah, I... Yeah, it's a big question of, like, what's her readjustment period going to be like coming yeah. back into just the noise of Sweet Valley and, like, learning to, like, live with all of that and, like... She's adjusted yeah. so well to her life as as a person yeah. without hearing that I think it's almost like why mess up a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird to say. But. Yeah, no, but like I get it. It's like, yeah, what do you Yeah, how's that going to be? And what if she meets someone cute in Switzerland? Like Oh, I mean, almost like, certainly she will. Of course, yeah. I mean she seems wonderful. Like And like really worldly guys. Or maybe people yeah. that also like were or are deaf and they have that in common what's gonna happen with donald donald essex like what if he goes back to switzerland for a checkup yeah i mean she sees him as an older brother but like maybe not for long switzerland can change things like (laughs) meanwhile we've got bruce as this playboy like is he really going to be able to keep up with his affection for the girl that he no longer gets to kind of like look at he is an Uh 18 year old boy yeah um playboy class president so now he's going to get all that extra attention, I'm sure, and, you know, 
I I really want there to be a villainous rivalry between him and Ken that's now like started because of his running for office. Yeah. I don't know if that will be the case. Ken seems too nice. Ken Matthews, not like Ken the doll. Right, Ken Matthews. Um, Ken the doll can't muster the energy to be angry. <laughs> He's too busy <laughs> running errands for Barbie. But they are twins. Yes. Uh, more twins. In more Valley. twins. <laughs> Which is perfect. Um, speaking of the twins, like, I don't know what's next for Jessica and Elizabeth. Like, is Jessica going to have to, like, repeat a grade because of history? Yeah. I, like, I was thinking if- about that, too. Like, what are the actual consequences of failing history for her? I was honestly thinking about that reading this like, book. Yeah, if she fails history, like, what happens if suddenly, like, Elizabeth goes on to the next grade and she doesn't? Like, what if Elizabeth graduates and is ready to go for college? Like, and they're suddenly torn apart. Is there a college in the town? But Elizabeth seems smart. Like, what if she goes to an Ivy or something? Like, what's going to happen? Like, I don't mean to be dark, but I feel like if Jessica got held back, I would think of, like, a serious suicide risk. Like, just because she was so... I mean, I know that's not Jessica's energy, but she often says things like, oh, I would just die if something such a thing happened. She does say that a lot. I did think about that as I was reading it, just how many times she's just, like, she's so dramatic. But is that drama, speaking of Mental Health Awareness Day, like, are these warning signs? Should we be really concerned about Jessica? Well, I think that Jessica might have, like, uh... Like, she might be a sociopath. Yeah, I don't want to, like, armchair diagnose her, but she does seem to have, like, periods of, like, I don't know, very intense energy. Or maybe, like, narcissistic personality disorder. I think that's more likely than borderline, just because she is so focused on her own. I mean, she just broke up these two people to, like, get out of writing a term paper. Like, she destroyed two lives, effectively, for the pursuit of 15 pages of text. And... Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Damn. I mean, Elizabeth would never do that. I, I kind of wonder what Elizabeth would think if she found out. Like, yeah, it's wrong would, in so many ways. Yeah. So many. She's cheating. She's, she's cheating. She's betting to cheat. <laughs> like, exactly. she's gambling, essentially. She's gambling, yeah. She's, she's manipulating people's, like, true love romance. Yeah, because they seem very much in love. Through lying. Because that was yeah. not a rumor that was going around. Yeah. Also, I wonder if now that Bruce has changed, will Jessica regret... Like, they're having broken up before he could, like, become this new wonderful person. Or, like, is she going to try to go after changed Bruce? Like, she could pretend to be changed Jessica. Yeah, and then just tear him down and reveal that he's not so changed after all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that like, feels like a very Jessica thing to do. I could see Jessica, though, just going back to the what I said before. Yeah. Like... She's so impulsive mm-hmm. that I think she she could be the kind of teenager that makes a really rash decision, like taking a bottle of pills or something, without yeah. thinking about the consequences. Of no, it. I totally see that. Like, and that's something that has happened in Sweet Valley before. But like, I was gonna say, like, I can imagine it happening here, and it could happen again. You know, it's yeah. I feel like there's no emotional support system in place. They don't go to their parents with anything. It's just, like, everyone's kind of fending for themselves and their own little emotional vortices, you know? And it's... The book... And I think this is more a product of it being the 80s than anything, but the book treats it like a necessity. Like, obviously, we don't talk about these things. That's interesting. I wonder... I don't don't know if you got that vibe from here, but... Yeah, it's Sweet Valley um, in California. Yeah, it's in Southern California. That's really funny, because I feel like that's such, like, waspy values of just, like, we kind of, like, press this stuff down and, like, at least, like, speaking from, like, my family experience. Well, it's definitely very waspy in California. Yeah, for sure, yeah. That idea of, like... 
yeah, there isn't that openness about mental health or any of those things. And, yeah, it feels very, like, I don't know, Reagan-y, I guess, to be like, no, 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 we're all, like, doing our own thing, very individualistic and stuff, and, like, trying to fight through this. Yeah. There isn't that collective. And yet, at the same time, there's, like, this mental health awareness carnival, sort of. Or, like, the raising money for the... I don't think it's mental it's health. It's not mental health. It's just health. Like, it's just health. I want I it wish to be. it were a mental health awareness... Oh, wouldn't that I be would great? I would that. That'd be so great. Well, if we... We can relaunch the series. Can we update the these? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it'd be like, very... It'll be much more healthy and also much less interesting. Then, <laughs> <laughs> well, then Mrs. Morrow can have her, like, catharsis at the fashion show at the mental health awareness the carnival. And she, like, finally recognizes that she needs help for her depression and, like, her horrible anxiety yeah, headaches. And, like, great. reach a better, healthier tomorrow. Yeah. I guess what I mean when I say, it's not like the books outright say, don't no. talk about your mental illness. No, but, but for there the, is. When we're thinking about the character's motivations, it's like, well, of course Mrs. Morrow doesn't want to upset Regina. Of course yeah. um, Jessica doesn't want to explain to she would die before she would let anybody know what she's really feeling about xyz it's this expectation of i guess present like i think it is status i think it's this like level of like stasis and like presenting that you're doing well and you are well and like everything is handled well or you you mentioned that there's a culture of secrecy yes and even though secrecy can be about a lot of things Mm -hmm. i think that one of the like last outposts of cultural secrecy is definitely surrounding Mm -hmm. feelings like real feelings and that and feelings are tied up with emotion and tied up with mental health yeah Um, and like politeness i think mm -hmm. there's a level of like civility or social civility that it's like not necessarily polite to be like this is how i feel and these are like all my like horrible emotions like or just pouring out and i think that's definitely happening here which is weird because it's teenagers and it's like such emotion such heightened emotion it's hard to see that repressed yeah and i I think it just gets politeness i mean politeness is a real thing i mean if we all went around dumping our feelings on everybody we met that would be a hard way to live and i'm not saying that politeness isn't like obviously we need to like be civil and like have conversations but there's like a heightened like over politeness yeah. that like leads to a stifling. Absolutely, and yeah. it gets it gets um it gets clouded yes. with um the truths that need to be told. Totally, totally. And I mean, purely from a like plot device standpoint, it's yeah. very important to the series that oh, that completely. continue because miscommunication yes. drives the stories. Oh, completely. I mean, this whole book is about miscommunication yeah. and how it pertains to love. Like, can you love someone that you don't communicate with? Like, can they... Even at the end, they still haven't talked. They still... It's like a one-way communication that, like, pushes through their, you know, breakup mire. That's true, but um, Bruce does say this little bit of wisdom. You can't make a sacrifice until you love someone. I do love that, because it happens earlier in the book, too, right? It's a callback. Oh, I don't remember. A callback to what? I think it's a callback to someone saying something earlier of, like, Bruce could never love anything because he's too selfish or something. Let me yeah, I yeah. can try and find it. I feel like there's another moment where... That makes sense because Elizabeth, when it when this yeah. wisdom comes out, it's when Elizabeth is saying to Bruce, oh. I couldn't imagine you making this sacrifice. Okay, so in Chapter 6... Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I highlighted this part, too. Um... 
it's something that Regina is thinking to herself. Mm. She's thinking, nothing can make me leave Sweet Valley and Bruce. Not even Dr. Friedrich and his promise of a miracle. And she thinks that she's yeah. going to forego the treatment. Because that's what loving someone means, Regina told herself. It means if you have to, you're willing to make a sacrifice for someone you really care about, like Bruce. That's it. And then he unknowingly reflects her words and her sentiment, which, you know, makes you think, oh, maybe they should be together. They both understand what love is as much as they can for, like, being, you know, teenagers in Sweet Valley. Yeah, it's pretty special. It is. It's really lovely. I don't know if I said this in the actual podcast, I love the way that Lila calls things vulgar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the idea of vulgarity, I think, speaks back to that idea of politeness and, like, how, like, the worst thing she can think of is that something is vulgar and, like, goes against that culture. Right. The rich people in this book have this, like, the this concept of decorum yes. that really rules their lives. Definitely. That's the word I was searching for earlier and couldn't quite find. You're totally right. There is that idea of, like, this is how things are and this is how things should be. Well, and then it's funny because Lila says that and Lila is concerned about these things. But we also learn explicitly in this mm-hmm. book that um, Mrs. Patman, Marie Patman, yeah. um, hates the Fowler's not because they're the rival new rich family on the block. She hates them because they're nouveau riche. Right. So they don't know how to be rich. And the, the book makes mention of the Patmans and the Vanderhorns being <laughs> the, like, old money families. Yes. Who the hell are the Vanderhorns? I they do never not see, know. They must not have teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually. I had the same. I had the same thought reading. Like, I guess there were no Vanderhorns in high school. I do love that though, because you you have to wonder how much of Lila's preoccupation with not being vulgar stems from her parents' like anxiety about being nouveau riche and like not fitting into this like classier old society or old money in Sweet Valley. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. Like, what does Mrs. Patman think of the Morrows? I don't know. I, they. Are all, I think they must also be nouveau riche because we learned yeah. that Mr. Morrow, he, like, built his fortune on his, like, football. He was a professional football player. Oh, right. And I'm, he built his company on his, like, football money. Um, They just moved to Sweet Valley, though, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So maybe there's something about, like, nouveau riche becoming that in Sweet Valley versus getting the money outside of it and then moving there. I yeah. wonder if that's a distinction that she's drawing. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to say, like, well, maybe she just doesn't know the whole story, but knowing Murray Patman... As I do. I'm sure she's asked around. She's gotten all the details oh, from sure. Maureen for or sure. Marilyn or whoever she talks to. Oh, about, uh, I just I just picture her, like, with her, like, middle-of-the-day martini or something. Just oh, being yeah. very, like, Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Desperate Housewives of Sweet Valley. Yeah. Shouting at Regina across the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, how terrible. <laughs> Well, let's uh, tease book 19 for the listeners. Ooh, How about that? Sounds good. You want to read the uh, the uh-huh. old end of the book Special teaser? offer. Buy a Bantham book only. Oh, wait. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> we also got treated at the end of this book to a passage from a new oh, yes. trilo- <laughs> love trilogy by Francine Pascal called Caitlin. Yes. Book one. Loving. Um, let's see. Did you read any of it? It was about... I skimmed, but I didn't really... It was... Uh, her... Francine Pascal writes this letter to the readers, trying yeah. to tempt them into reading. 
Oh, yeah. I do love her letter. Like, I did read her letter, and then I was just like, eh, she sounds like she's the most popular girl at the exclusive boarding school. I'm like... Yeah, Francine Pascal is like, I was inspired by a character like Jessica Wakefield, only more so. Exactly. And with, you know, Regina's complexion, so... It's like, so she makes this even more, like, bitchy, crazy, powerful, beautiful girl, and then builds a trilogy of books around her. <laughs> I'm just like, how perfect. Like, uh, were you in fanfic ever as, like, a writer or a reader or anything You'd think like that? so, based on all of my interests, but no, not really. Okay, well, this idea of, like, the Mary Sue, I guess is, like, yes, a, I do know about that. above and beyond fanfic now, but, like, I just think about, like, all those things that I wrote where people were like, oh, well, we shouldn't write this because, like, Mary Sue is, like, who's so perfect and devastatingly beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And I'm reading this about Caitlin Ryan, and I'm just like, what? Except in the very first page of the excerpt, we learn that Caitlin Ryan is just, like, a huge bitch. So, this is, like, a very Mary Sue character. <laughs> Maybe her, not. Maybe that's the Her first action problem. right out the gate is to steal somebody's idea. And, that's like, true. send them away. There's this little, like... Mm-hmm kiss ass who's trying to get in in her club and has a good idea. Caitlin sends her away to go look for her gold pencil that she left in class. Yeah, her gold pen in French class. And as soon as the girl gets back, she realizes that she was only sent away so that Caitlin could, like, take credit Steal for her, her idea. idea. But she doesn't care because she just, like, wants to be in with the in crowd so much. Oh. Listeners, I, you guys don't know what I'm talking so about. Much. Nobody's read Caitlin. But if you have read Caitlin, please, please write oh me a letter about it. Wait. I'm sorry, I'm reading it now. I'm just like, what is this? Oh, this is great. Okay, anyway, um, the back of the book. All right. In great bold italics at the bottom of page 152, we've got, Will Jack destroy Lila and Jessica's friendship? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 19, Showdown. Thank you so much. And thank you. And listeners, tune in next week to find out all that stuff that Cena just said. Showdown. Bye. I want to read it. I mean, I didn't realize this would end on the cliffhanger. I yeah. thought this was a fully, I mean, it is a self-contained narrative, but I was like, oh, man. Jack and Lila, like, I'm here for that. Yes. I, well, you work in soaps, so you know. It's important it to... Is. You gotta end on a good tag, and this is a really strong tag. It's like... Yeah. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun! <laughs>